Hey everybody, my name is Jonas Cohen and this is the Deep Health Evolution Podcast, your weekly guide through the maze of confusing and conflicting advice around nutrition, movement and fitness, sleep, stress management and more. So nutrition, well this was a big topic and I really was not quite sure where to start so I solicited questions from you guys out there on the Daily Burn Facebook community page, and thank you very much for those questions. They were great, and we address a lot of them in this podcast you'll hear shortly. And I thought of questions that I've always had and wondered about, and then I reached out to Greg, and I asked him what specific kinds of things he wanted to talk about, and he texted me back, and he said, quite simply, and I quote, broad guidelines. And I thought, oh my God, this topic is huge and he just wants to do broad guidelines. <laughs> anyway, so then later on we came to record and I kept trying to pin him down and tell me specifics about what we should do in terms of our nutrition. But what I came away with is that it's really up to each of us to learn what works best for us. Now, in the past, I've tried the Zone Diet, I've tried diets out of magazines, I have tried P90X, I have tried the Master Cleanse, and I have gotten results from all of them, but nothing was really sustainable for me, in part because I didn't do the work to figure out how I could sustain it, or if it was sustainable for me and for my lifestyle, whether or not it was a diet that I could see myself realistically doing months down the road, years down the road, etc. So the day we were set to record, I said to Greg, I realized that I was looking for a parent in terms of my nutrition, for someone to tell me what to eat and when to eat it. You know, like our parents will say to us, it's dinner time, eat your vegetables, you, know, you make sure you eat a good hearty breakfast, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But there really is no simple answer as to what we should eat and when we should eat it for two reasons. One, because all of us are so different. <laughs> and two, because we have to first, each of us on our own, get clear on our individual why, what it is that we want to achieve in terms of our fitness and health and eat towards those goals. You know, Greg, as, as I'm learning through these podcasts, is about reaching out to as many of us as possible so that we can all deepen our health. It's not so much about, you know, working out to look good or being ripped or looking great naked. It's just about feeling good. And you'll hear him say a lot of times, you never know how good you can really feel until you feel that good. You know, as I'm getting older and my waistline is expanding, you know, I feel I can do better. I see my own mother and she has high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes and she takes anti-anxiety medication and I see what she's eating and what it's done to her and she readily admits that her diet is not the best. And I realize as her son, I might be predisposed to those same kinds of challenges that she's contending with now. And in any case, you'll hear Greg say this, do yourself a favor, go to an assisted living facility and see where people are at in terms of their health and ask yourself, how do you want to live now? And where do you want to land in 10 years, in 20 years, 30, 40 years in terms of your fitness, in your wellness, and your longevity? Now, in previous podcasts, we've talked about the importance of sleep and mobility and that we have an opportunity now through each of these tenets of health, wellness, and longevity to create the future version of ourselves. 
Now, I just want to reiterate before we start that neither of us is a nutritionist. We're not registered dietitians. We're not experts in the field of nutrition. Greg has done a lot of research, and as a fitness professional, he is merely offering his advice, his guidance, his opinion. Now, I'm a fitness enthusiast, and I hope that this talk will inspire all of you to have fun around nutrition and become your own expert the way it's inspired me. Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Deep Health Evolution Podcast, your weekly guide through the maze of confusing and conflicting advice around nutrition, movement and fitness, sleep, stress management and more. I'm Jonas Cohen and with me as always is... Hey everybody, it's Greg Cook. How are you doing today? Great, great, great. Good. Thank you so much. So Greg, we've been talking about the five tenets of health wellness and longevity. We started with mobility, we talked about sleep, and now we're on to nutrition, which is like such a big, huge topic. So yeah. I'm going to pin you down and give it to me right now in a nutshell. If I only had like two or three minutes to listen to this podcast and learn about nutrition, what do I need to know? All right. Eat your veggies, people. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and good well, night. And that is, uh, I say that impartially in jest, but um, eat whole unprocessed earth-grown foods. Mm -hmm. Eat foods that you can recognize as what they were when they were collected, hunted, or whatever. So plenty of vegetables, eat some fruits, nuts. Um, Grass-fed meat would be the way to go if you're going to eat meat. And wild-caught fish and a lot of variety within all that would be the best um, advice I could give you. And, you know, cut out that means that you are cutting out <laughs> processed foods. Boom. Processed foods, gone. If it's okay. got a list of ingredients, please don't eat it that often. Like, if you're going to eat it, just keep it, you know, maybe 10 or 20% of the time. Like, one little meal here and there if you just absolutely have to eat it. Processed foods, out. Sugar, processed sugar especially, out. Okay. Um, and the more active you are, the, the more you can get away with. I don't, I don't think sugar is the devil that many health experts are making it sound like, but it is, it can be pretty freaking horrible. Mm. Um, it also is personal, you know, each person responds differently to it. But um, generally cutting sugar out, don't drink your calories. Mm. You know, if you're gonna drink stuff, drink water. So sodas, fruit juices, all that crap out. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Oh, also vegetable oils, huge issue. As opposed to it took me a long time to get to this. As opposed to like olive oil, um, seed avocado oils. oil. Even seed oils, it's just the way they're processed. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they're heated, they actually have a very dramatic effect on inflammation in the body. So they increase systemic inflammation and wreak havoc on your insides. So, so what are the good oils, I'm sorry? Um, like olive oil, avocado oil, mm -hmm. um, coconut oil. Mm -hmm. Even though coconut oil right now is getting, you know, coconuts are getting bashed. By, I just saw another news article from some health magazine or something saying that oh finally coconut oils are you know sales are dropping you know that couldn't happen sooner <laughs> it was a cure-all really? for everything and now there's some pushback yeah. against it well that was yeah, no, to happen eventually. It's saturated fat and it's, okay uh, you know, it's, that's a wormhole <laughs> and nutrition is it's it's a touchy subject you know yeah you know, everyone's got, you know, once you learn, once you kind of lean onto something that really works for you, people protect it with their life. Kind of like religion or <laughs> politics. Like, it, it gets really heated. And what we need to realize is, just like with those, there is no one way that's right. We need to, like, find a way that works for the individual and support people in the way that really actually 
helps them. So, you know, cutting out processed foods, eating whole, organic, you know, make sure that nutrient you're getting dense. food, nutrient-dense foods, that's the key. Like, if you can do that, just increase, for some people, just increasing the amount of vegetables and real fruit that they're eating could change their life just like that. And I think that once you start getting a little bit of progress in feeling better, then, you know, there's like a domino effect and you start making better and better decisions and slowly working out exactly what does work for you and what doesn't work for you. Years ago, I read The Paleo Solution by Rob Wolf, recently bought his book called Wired to Eat. Mm -hmm. In both of those, and then there's this big um, movement with the Whole30 too, uh -huh. basically it's an elimination diet, like taking out potentially um, harmful foods or foods that could potentially um, mess with your gut health, mm -hmm. create inflammation, and the usual suspects, the potential suspects, because it's not this way for everyone, but cutting out grains, legumes, dairy, and vegetable oils, cut them out for like 30 days. Then once you've gained your health back, because you will feel much better sure. if those were all in your diet and processed food was in your diet. If you eliminate all that, then you will see that you can feel a lot better. And then if you get to that point, you're like, yeah, but I still love you know, my cheese or this or that. And you're like, okay, well then let's add something back in. What do you really feel like you want to have in your diet? And then you actually become, you know, your own little scientist on your experience and you say, okay, well now I feel a lot better even when I added this in. Okay, so good. Now you can keep that one thing in. Or if you add it in, you're like, I don't feel horrible, but I really love having that. Then you have to weigh it out. Like the cost to benefit ratio there, like overall, does it make you happier? Okay, mm -hmm. well then maybe you do it, but just beware that the compound effect over time could be a bad thing, right? So we need to like look at things like, I try not to go too far off on a tangent, but we need to look 10 years down the line, 20 years. How right. do you want to feel then? And what you're doing now is going to affect who you're going to be then. Mm -hmm. So and we just need to dial it in the best we can. So there it is, folks, in basically five minutes or less. Eat your vegetables. Eat when you're hungry. Don't eat processed foods. Eliminate sugars. And asking yourself over the long term, what makes me feel best yeah <laughs> like what makes you look feel and perform the best in life for all those three so okay great now that we have that in a nutshell why is it so difficult i mean i said to you earlier that i feel like a lot of us myself included are looking for a parent i when you know when i was growing up my mom said okay it's time to eat your breakfast time to eat dinner eat your vegetables, you right. know, do this, do that. And I had somebody, and then, and then I you know, grow up, I get to college, and I'm now I'm like, tearing out diets from fitness magazines, and I'm Googling online, you know, uh, different programs and, and meal plans to follow. Where I, you know, I look to the government as, as sort of a, the USDA, right. you know, telling me, uh, okay, eat five servings of this and six servings of that, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like a lot of us are looking for someone a parental figure now to tell us what to eat when. So that's at least one reason, but why is it so... You gave us the nuts and bolts of what to do. Great. So why is it so difficult mm. to eat well and, and have a good nutritional plan for ourselves? Yeah, that's it's a really good question. And that's, that is something that... I, I have to tell you that, I, again, I'm not an expert. Yes, thank you. Neither of us are nutritionists or, you know, doctors. So what we're we're just sharing advice that we've gleaned over the years and I one of the little 
nuggets that I've picked up recently from Rob Wolf's book, uh, Wired to Eat, mm. is that we are wired to eat. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, I think the, that's where the name of the book came from, is that we're genetically wired to eat whatever's not nailed down. <laughs> that's, that's a quote from Rob Wolf. Like right puppies. There. Like, yeah, it's like, so whatever food's in front of you, our natural born tendency is to eat it all. Like, that's natural. So it's not necessarily the individual's fault. Like, if you're doing exactly what your genetics wired are wired to do, whenever there's food around, you'll eat it. Mm -hmm. And you rest whenever possible. Because there's something called optimal foraging strategy, where this is what keeps organisms alive. You spend less energy gathering the food than the food gives you. Mm -hmm. So the food is replacing energy that you're using to gather the food. So right. really, we're just trying to keep ourselves alive, right? It's a right. survival thing. But now we have more than enough food, an abundance, an overabundance of food available to us, mm -hmm. and an overabundance of potential moments to rest. You know, so you're never really, you know, you don't have to go out and hunt, right? No. When was the last time you went out and gathered food in the forest? <laughs> right? It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so we, you know, we can, with our phones or our computers, we can, within a half hour, have a full meal in front of us right. that is like 10 times what we should be eating. And meanwhile, we spent... 10 calories of our energy typing, yeah. maybe. So we're not spending any energy and we're taking in a ton of energy. And you know, to a certain degree, the, the calories in, calories out paradigm is true. Like if you eat too much mm -hmm. and you don't spend enough, eventually it comes it's out gonna catch you're, up with you. you're storing it and you store it for later. Right. And the big problem is that our body's natural neuroregulation of appetite or appetite control or of hunger has been broken. Because normally if you eat genetically what we're supposed to be eating, which is more natural foods, our bodies, like if they weren't sick and broken, they would tell you when you're full. Mm -hmm. And there's also now the compound effect of, you know, industrialized processed foods. Like they don't just make foods that last long on the shelf. They also make foods that your taste buds do cartwheels for. Like you get that Lay's potato chip, you know, yeah, they even had the can't just eat one. Yeah. Um... I used to use that all the time, and I hear Rob Wolf using that too as an example. It's like, you can't because they've scientifically found a way to make you want more. They've so hacked they've into... hacked your natural tendency to say, that's enough. Wow. And so they know. So then they found those the taste receptors or whatever it is in our bodies that normally it would, I would say, nope, I had one potato chip and that's enough. Right. I'm, no, I'm going to keep eating. I'm going to keep eating. So it's not necessarily my fault. Right that I'm eating the wrong kinds of foods and craving those kinds of foods and stuffing myself right. with those kinds of foods. Yeah, our bodies are so amazing. And there's something called palate fatigue that we were talking about a little bit before yeah. we started this. And palate fatigue is, you know, if you eat one thing, yeah. let's say you're just eating, it could be ice cream, it could be anything, and you eat a certain amount, and eventually you're like, ooh, I can't, I don't want to eat any more of that. And you crave something else, right? You crave something salty, perhaps. Uh -huh. Like, that's our body's built-in mechanism to make sure that we get a variety of nutrients. It's not all from one thing, because our body needs a variety, a large variety of micronutrients. So this sort of enforces us to eat from a variety of different foods to get enough nutrients, and it also limits the potential for overeating a food that may have a natural, sort of benign, toxic, you know, all vegetables, everything in life has some sort of protective mechanism. Right. And if it doesn't have teeth or claws, it has some sort of a chemical that will create a reaction to make sure that it doesn't get over-consumed by animals out there. That's very interesting because you mentioned, I'm sorry, I just want to say this real quickly. You, because we've talked about this, that if you eat, for example, a fruit that's not yet ripe, 
that you're not getting the full benefits, whatever chemicals are released from that unripened fruit are, I don't know if necessarily they're toxic, but you're not getting the, the, the best, most nutrient-dense foods yeah, you're, necessarily. It's that, and you're also getting more of their protective mechanism, so their defense mechanism, which will come in the form of something that will basically create like discomfort in your digestive system, yeah. or you might break out, or you'll, you'll have some sort of a reaction to it. And that's what palate fatigue sort of saves you from, so you don't over, you know, consume one vegetable, let's say. Or, right. Um, and now we've sort of hacked Amazing. that, oh. so that, you know, we have such a variety of foods maybe on our plate, and we were speaking to this, and, you know, theoretically, if you have all different, you know, you have sweet over here, or whatever that food is, you have right. your fries, and you have your hamburger, and you have so many different things. So you were saying that, you know, you could eat a hamburger and be like, oh, I'm feeling pretty full. And then you have a fry. You're like, oh, I could take a lot of those down. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I'm so stuffed. Hey, anybody want dessert? Oh, ice cream? Sure. I have room for that. Yeah. That's palate fatigue. Like your palate has room for that. So now we have such an incredibly wide variety of new sensations or flavors, palate um, experiences that uh, essentially our bodies don't know that we're full anymore. So we're chronically overfed, mm. I think. I mean, I'm, I may be butchering this a little bit, but I think that this example that, um, not to overuse Rob Wolf as an example, but he is, I've been reading his book, Wired to Eat, and yeah. he used the example of um, man versus food, that show. Yes. There's one episode where this guy's got to eat the kitchen sink, which is a giant portion of ice cream. Right, so you eat this ridiculous portion, you get right. a t-shirt and your photo on the wall of this restaurant or something like and that. And type 2 diabetes to boot. <laughs> um, Yikes. Um, so, in this episode, he eats and eats and eats, and he's like, I don't know how far through, but let's say he's halfway through and he's turning green and swaying a little bit and sweating and just like, he can't consume anymore. So you're like, ah, dude's done. There's no way he's going to finish right, this. Right. And then he does the unthinkable. He orders extra crispy, extra salty french fries. Oh my god. So most of it would be like, you know, intuitively like, well that looks like a horrible idea. If you're going to eat more, it's going to be, you're going to have a harder time eating right. the rest of your ice cream. But what it does is sort of cleanses the palate oh. from that palate fatigue, eats a few fries, however many, and then is able to finish off the ice cream. Oh my god. So that's essentially what we're doing with our overabundance of food and sort of palate sensations. It's like, it's cleansing the palate with like the worst yeah. possible thing you could. But it allows us to eat more. And that's the whole thing with dessert too, right? I mean, yeah. and ugh, it's a mess. There are certain agendas I find by like certain food companies. I remember someone was telling me this example, you should drink more wine. And then if you look, the, the powers that be that are putting out those advertisements that say, drink more wine, it's good for you. Right. It's the wine board or the wine commission or right. you know, eat more peanuts, they're healthy for you, brought to you by the peanut farmers of America. Right. You know, so I think that's another thing too that maybe you can speak to as to why um, we're ignoring our, um, our, our body's primal instincts, why it's not easy to eat well is because we're being bombarded with information you have to look deeply into like who's funding these studies who's you know who's telling you it's good for you is yeah. so important because you know if they have an agenda then you know they're going to twist the facts over amplify the facts be yeah. like oh you know wine's got resveratrol in it or whatever and that we know is healthy mm -hmm. but they don't tell you you got to drink like a case of wine in order to get enough <laughs> which may not be a great idea people i don't know <laughs> there are other problems with that Oh, yeah. I mean, marketing is huge. Mm -hmm. 
And we're all kind of suckers for that, especially if we watch television. I mean, you watch television, you're not hungry until you see that Domino's commercial, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I could really go for a pizza. And the next yeah. thing you know, you're dialing up Domino's and getting some, you know, delicious, in air quotes, pizza <laughs> with some chicken wings. I mean, talking about it, my mouth is starting to water a little bit just Ugh. thinking about it. My eyes are widening. <laughs> Delight. <laughs> so we, you know... There are so many other factors that get in the way, too. Like okay. I, I mean, coming back to sleep. We talked about this, yeah. If you are sleep-deprived, there are some hormones that kind of regulate appetite. Mm -hmm. Ghrelin is one. You think of it like box, what was it, like what was it again? ghrelin. Ghrelin, okay. Ghrelin is what signals your body to eat more. So you can just think of like a belly growl, growling, like you're hungry. and The ghrelin is making your, your belly growl. What one way to remember it. Leptin is another one. Okay. So they work in opposition. So when leptin is up, that's signaling your body you've had enough, let's stop eating. Ghrelin up, that signals your body to eat more. And by just sleep deprivation alone, ghrelin goes up, that means belly's growling more, mm. leptin goes down. When those two go in opposite directions, it's almost impossible to control any impulses, and your impulse control also goes down because of lack of sleep. Mm. So think of those three things together. You actually feel hungrier, whether your body needs the food or not, mm -hmm. And your impulse to stay away from food, knowing that, like, I know I'm not hungry, it's just I'm really tired, <laughs> that goes down. So you are almost definitely going to eat more than you should. And the foods that we end up eating are generally not the foods that we need to eat. You once talked to me about garbage, which, like, these sort of bad, unhealthy, processed, junky kinds of foods that we're more likely to eat when we're tired, when we're sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And then we eat these foods. And then they keep us up, and then we get more sleep deprived, and it's this sort of like vicious circle. So to yeah. your point, yeah, and God, with the with the garbage or processed refined carbohydrates, a big problem there is that they just break down so quickly mm. in your digestive system. They actually are digested before they should be. Like it's almost like they're pre-digested. Pro processed foods are almost pre-digested foods. In yeah, in sense. a way. And I mean, this is a big problem because then it, even the foods that you eat that are full of nutrients. Mm that nutrients going through that bacterial overgrowth is being consumed. So a lot of the nutrients that was in there is not available to you and your body and your health. So that's another problem. Never mind the blood sugar issue. There's a reason I think that a lot of people are hungry all the time. You know, and this is just a very simplistic view of it. One of the reasons is that if you eat something that's super carby, like if you eat the typical American diet in the morning, which you know, if you I see a continental just, breakfast at any hotel or, you know, it's, yeah. it's pathetic. It's, hey, it's standard American diet. I think you refer to it as SAD, S-A-D, standard American diet. Very sad. So you're setting yourself up for failure by eating processed foods, sugars, first thing in the morning. And, we, you know, we grew up thinking like a, a big glass of orange juice is supposed to be really healthy and right. healthy whole grain cereals. So <laughs> what is that? That's carb on carb. And then you're going to dump a little bit of syrup or something and maybe have some pancakes and maybe you'll have a little bit of egg or something. You're just dumping all this garbage into your system first thing in the morning. And even if it's healthy carbohydrates, in quotes again, because mm -hmm. everybody's body responds differently to different carbohydrates. But you're like, Greg, I don't, I don't understand. I'm eating bananas in my oatmeal and this is all really healthy food. It's like, yeah, potentially really healthy food. But let's say you eat that oatmeal and that banana and your blood sugar skyrockets because that your body doesn't process that stuff really well. Now you have blood sugar issues. Insulin kicks in. 
because whenever you have blood sugar on the rise, you know, it can be toxic at high levels or really low levels can be really dangerous. So your body tightly regulates blood sugar. If it goes over a certain level, insulin kicks in to bring it back down again. Mm -hmm. And if it goes really high, you get that little bit of a sugar rush and then the insulin takes it out of your system. Then your body's feeling hungry again because right. it doesn't have that fuel source readily available. And if you over rely on carbohydrates throughout the day, then your body is thinking that it always is going to have that cheap source of fuel available. Okay. So where's the other fuel in your body? If you're not eating, what should our bodies do? We're like a super busy or you're somewhere where you just can't eat for a long period of time. I guess you should be tapping into your fat stores. Is ding, that... ding, ding, ding. Okay. <laughs> so I feel so good. The problem is that if you are overly reliant on carbohydrates as a fuel source and you eat them at every meal and you yeah. eat too much, then you're on this little roller coaster of high blood sugar, insulin kicks in, low blood sugar, hungry, high, uh... and you eat some more carbs because that's what your body's ready for and it's not dipping right into your fat reserves. Ideally, we could eat a way that encourages more of a metabolic flexibility so that if the carbs aren't there, your body immediately shifts over, starts metabolizing fat from your fat stores. Hmm. And the way I understand it is if we constantly rely on carbohydrates throughout the day and, you know, typical American diet has way too much carbohydrate source. Yeah. That's why carbs, I think, have been given a bad name. Carbs are not bad. Uh, too much is bad, but too much of anything. That's too much fat is bad, too. Like, fat's not going to make you fat, necessarily, mm -hmm. unless you eat way too much of it. But most people don't eat too much fat, because we just don't want to eat it, unless you're eating it with something else. Coming back to palate fatigue, right? If you're mixing fat with carbs, you know, then you have this delicious mouth party that you just don't <laughs> want to leave. You're like, oh, give me more, give me more. Then you're wreaking havoc on your body. So, but where do I start? in terms of my nutrition, how do I figure out what's best for me? Yeah, that's, for, for that is the quintessential. Yes. I think the best place to start would be to eliminate the usual suspects. The foods out there that many of us have digestion issues with or mm. have inflammation when we eat it. So for example, eating grains, legumes, dairy, okay. those are three potential causes for disruption in the digestive tract and inflammations, like systemic inflammation. So cutting things out, those three plus, mm. I would say, vegetable oils too, which have a, you know, and this this I would take very seriously. I didn't for the longest time, and my wife kept on harping on it, like, no, there's plenty of research showing that vegetable oils are horrendous for your system. Like they increase inflammation and a host of other issues. Wow. All the way down to, you know, messing with your DNA and how it expresses itself. So you're saying, I'm just going to, again, I'm going to interject yeah. here. So somebody asked on the Daily Burn uh, Facebook page, I uh, solicited questions from people. Somebody asked about whether or not you should do an elimination diet versus a moderation diet. So you're saying that we should start by eliminating a lot of the usual suspects, dairy, legumes, grains, start by eliminating things in order to figure out what's going to work best for you. So we, we all have to sort of be mad scientists and use our bodies as the laboratory to figure out what's working and what's not. Yeah. So starting with elimination. So you okay. start with that for, let's say, about 30 days. You cut out grains, legumes, dairies, vegetable oils. Okay. Boom. Cut those out. So now you're eating a healthy you know, nutritious, naturally 
earth-grown foods like we talked about earlier. Okay. No processed foods. You do that for a month. One, you'll see how much better you feel right away, like within a couple of weeks. Sure. I mean, you might go through a little a little downshift where you're like, oh, God. One, <laughs> you're missing the foods you used to eat, and that's a, more of a psychological thing. And then, okay. you know, you're probably eating less carbohydrate than usual, maybe. So you might also feel like a little energy dip at first. But ultimately, you're going to feel amazing after four weeks in. You're going to feel amazing. Then, if you get to the end of that, and this is, and this is like Whole30, what you're talking about? This yeah, same, same, same approach. Same approach, You know, okay. Rob Wolf used that in his first book and now in his second Which book. Which you said was the Paleo Solution? Paleo Solution and now also in Wired to Eat. Mm. So you cut all that out gotcha. and then if you get to the end of that and you still want one of those foods, like, oh, I just love beans, so I want to add legumes back in. So let's add them in okay. and see how your body reacts. So you go off of how you look, how you feel, and how you perform. So you have to add it in. Keep it in for a while until you really get a, a good beat on, am I still feeling just as good? Hmm. Do I now have some sort of like, am I getting gassier? Do I feel like, you know, some disruption in my digestive system when I eat this? Do I break out a little? Do I feel inflamed? Do my fingers get all puffy when I eat this? Those are signs that you probably shouldn't eat that stuff. This makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, I mean, I think there is something to moderation. But I think what you're talking about is you really need to start with elimination in order to get the clearest picture about what's working and what's not. And if you love cheese and you, you know, you love legumes and you want to have them, maybe you can have them, but in moderation. But you've got to start with elimination right. and then add these things back in. Yeah. So. And there are things that you can do to, you know, besides just look, seeing how you look, feel, and perform. Like you can go to a doctor and have some basic blood work done. Uh-huh. Get the blood work done and then add that new, you know, that element back in, that food group back in that you feel like you can't live without <laughs> and then see how it affects your blood, your blood pressure, your body composition. Yeah. And if it starts going in the wrong direction, then you have to make a decision like, okay, either you really care about your health and you're going to just eliminate <laughs> it or you're like, you know what, it's my one life, I'm going to enjoy it. So you got to balance it out, right? Sure. I, it's, it's a, that's a tough one. That becomes that's an individual choice. I think a little bit of suffering up front, being like, oh, I'm not going to eat beans. I'll just find something to replace that. You know, you can find other foods that have that same mouthfeel and satisfy that hunger that you have. Uh, my wife has become amazing with cooking in different ways to help get over the foods that we miss because we know that they're not good for us. So you have to be a little creative and you have to be smart and you know, look down the road 10 or 20 years and be like, how do I want to finish? <laughs> Not just how do I want to feel right in this moment, but how do I want to finish this race, this life of mine? Like, do I want to reach the end? And I always use the assisted living scare tactic. Go visit an assisted living <laughs> place and see, like, if you don't get your movement, your nutrition, your sleep, and you know your uh, stress management yeah. and social ability like your community if you don't get all those things dialed in at a very healthy level that's the end that's the and end especially when it comes to nutrition and movement like training lifting weights taking care of your cardiovascular system but then eat, you know nutrition is linked there because when you work out you're breaking the system down so to speak yes. and you need to rebuild to become stronger and you need good materials to rebuild with, right? That's mm -hmm. the, the analogy I like to use a lot. Is like, if you're going to remodel a house, you're not going to use the cheapest materials that you know are going to break down, you know, within a year. You want to build the uh, things that look gotcha. beautiful and that are going to withstand the test of time. We'll do that for our, you know, our cars and our homes and stuff. 
But then our bodies were like, eh, I'll just throw whatever in there. Okay. See so, what happens. See, now this leads into my next question. I was going to ask you, you know, should I follow the paleo diet, the keto diet, the vegan diet, the pescatarian diet? I think any of these things, it seems like, as you're talking about the long term, it has to be something that is sustainable. You know, if you can't see yourself eating uh, this yeah. way a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, looking good, feeling good, performing good, then it's probably not the diet for you. Um, so, yeah, can you speak to that? Yeah. You know, like, how do I, you know, should I be counting calories, carbs, fats? You know, what's the, what are the best guidelines to follow? It seems like one thing, to as I said, one thing to consider is, is it sustainable? Right. You know. So that is probably the biggest factor like all diets work if you stick with them <laughs> so you have to be able to stick with it so if it's something that's outrageous like maybe one of the issues with a ketogenic diet is it's so restrictive you know mm -hmm. it changes people's lifestyles so dramatically that it may not be possible it could be hugely beneficial mm -hmm. but if you're not going to do it then obviously it's not going to be beneficial so we have to find something that works for the individual um Another person I follow that I, whose advice I love, this guy Andy Galpin, who's yes. a professor out in um, you mentioned him once in Fullerton out in uh, California. He's got a lot of online content that I would highly recommend checking out. If you just go to andygalpin.com, I'll put uh, it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but he said, you know, maybe our approach should be addition as opposed to subtraction when it comes to changing a diet. So mm -hmm. instead of being, because you know, we're like, oh, I got to cut this out, I got to cut that out, I got to cut everything out. And I know we just spoke to cutting oh, elimination, yeah. <laughs> so there are other approaches. So let's say that's outrageous to someone. Like, no way am I cutting all those things out. That's never going to happen. But I don't eat any vegetables. Mm. Like my vegetables are like a little. They're they're more of a decoration than they are really a main attraction <laughs> on my plate. So how about we do that? Let's take that on full force. And every meal you eat a really healthy big portion size of vegetables. I so you just start see. getting more okay. good nutrients in your body. Then you start feeling better. Then you can actually make better decisions because mm -hmm. you feel better, you think better, you start caring more about how you feel because now you see like how I can move my health in the right direction. So you're not talking and about it does feel really good. You're not talking about adding in more grains and cheese and no, no, no. you're talking about That's adding stubborn. in more nutrient dense types of foods. Yeah. So okay. maybe if you don't eat fruit, eat a little bit more fruit. Gotcha. If you don't eat a lot of vegetables, eat a lot of vegetable like variety and some cooked and some raw and like bring as much variety into that area as possible. And that alone, then you start seeing like, oh things are starting to shift towards a healthier, happier version of me. I like this. Maybe I'm ready now. And then you'll have more, you know, if you feel healthier, you have better willpower. You have more incentive because you know that it's actually real. I always tell people, like, you have no idea how good you can feel mm -hmm. until you feel that good. Of course. So if we can help people feel just a little better by adding something as opposed to taking something away, mm -hmm. it might be more manageable and it's going to be more sustainable. And that then will lead to the next step. And we talk about that on Daily Burn all the time, right? About just making, taking the small step. Yeah. Just one little step. Just do one little thing to change. And then eventually you might drop something. You'll be like, okay, now I feel really good and I know that I get it. Okay, so let me just get rid of sugar. Mm. Now we've added more vegetables and we've taken away processed sugar. All of a sudden they're going to undoubtedly feel much better. Sure. And have a whole new attitude. I mean, it's going to change not just your energy, but... 
how you feel, like your emotions are going to change. Because when you eat poorly or you don't exercise, we all know how that affects us mentally as well. Right. So you can see how it's sort of a game of addition and subtraction, and you have to figure out the way that's going to be sustainable for you, the way that you're actually going to do it. But then you also have to keep an eye on, like, am I making progress? And I also want to say, when, when I talk about sustainable, I also think that refers to financially. You know, like, there are some terrific, wonderful diets out there, but some of us just can't afford to eat naturally, you right. know, grass-fed. grass-fed. So, you know what? Until you get to that point, or maybe you don't get to that point, then still, you know, even though the meats aren't going to be as good as grass-fed meat, like, replacing boxes of pasta or you know they have that the whole freezer area that's all prepared foods like replacing that with something you actually cook that you grill yeah. that you you know maybe start eating more fish a go-to for me and I, feel, I have no idea what people think of this but like eating sardines like they sure. come in a can like not overindulging but that can be a go-to source of a good protein yeah and some fat in there too because usually it's in some olive oil it's super healthy um and not that expensive so should we be counting calories and, and macros and the number of... Is, is that something that you think... Look, <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. <laughs> well, I'm rolling for me. Like, I would shoot myself if I had to do that. Like, I, that would be... That would drive me insane. And I've tried that. I'm just like, whoa, this is more stressful than it is helpful. For wow. some people, that might work really well. Okay, okay. For some people, you know, they might need... You know, there are two types of... Andy Galpin talks about this. There, two types of people there, the uh -huh. bakers and the cooks. And the baker is someone that, you know, if you give them exact amounts, mm -hmm. they need to follow a, a recipe that is teaspoon of salt and a tablespoon of baking soda. Like, they need to know exact amounts, uh -huh. and they thrive on that. Just like, tell me exactly, and I'll measure it all out, and I'll eat that, I'll prepare it all, mm -hmm. and they thrive on that. For me, it would drive me nuts. Huh. I just need to know a bigger, broad brush picture, like, okay, I need to get, you know, a certain amount of vegetable in the way I do it is like put so much vegetable on your plate that it's a little bit of a job getting through it and a variety of different vegetables. Make sure in every meal I have a good healthy chunk of protein, whether it's fish, meat, poultry. Like I usually stick with those because I'm not a vegetarian now. I was a vegetarian years ago and it just did not work for me. Interesting. Um, and then if I was really active that day, some sort of carb. And I actually have to I feel like I have to work extra hard to get enough carbohydrate in my diet because I don't eat it all day long. I wait until the end of the day. So I never end up overindulging. And the carb sources that I go with, sweet potatoes, maybe white potatoes if you tolerate them well. White rice may work for a lot of people. And by the way, this is my, my take on it. Brown rice is not necessarily better than white rice. Interesting. Okay, this is a myth yeah. being dispelled right now. Yeah, there, and I'm sure that I could open up a hellhole of argument around that too. Because, <laughs> Watch what you say. Yeah, this is my take on that, and make sure I stay on track because I want to go off on a little tangent. If you're eating grains for your main source of nutrients, you're missing the freaking point. They're not nutrient-dense foods. That's another reason why grains really, like, unless you just love the way they taste, why are we eating them? We eat them for variety. Like, we, you know, we reintroduce bread into our lives. But I, I, I feel like you just said a dirty word. I know. <laughs> but Fatima makes it. She's got a sourdough starter. Sourdough, it, you know, it changes the whole... We can come back to that. Yep. But we don't go to that for nutrients. It's not like, oh, we got to get that healthy bread into our system. We're like, mm. no, we love the taste of it. And it, it brings more variety into our diet. But the, the main sources of your nutrients should be vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, meat, fish, 
poultry or whatever protein sources you use as a vegetarian and vegetables. Mm -hmm. That's where the, the density is when it comes to nutrients. And that right there is going to bring us to the end of part one in our discussion on nutrition. Next week, Greg continues the conversation with his thoughts on what to eat around our workouts, the value of intermittent fasting, how to help our kids get proper nutrition, and we discuss some interesting myths about nutrition. So guys, as always, in order to help both you, the listeners, and ourselves find a better state of health and well-being, let us hear from you. Tell us about your successes and challenges, leave a comment. Please share this podcast on social media and ask any questions that you'd like addressed by writing to us at gregcook at deephealthevolution.com. That's G-R-E-G-G-C-O-O-K at deephealthevolution.com. Or find us on Instagram at www.instagram.com forward slash deephealthevolution. You can also visit the website at deephealthevolution.com. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or on Google Play Music. And if you like what you hear, please write us a review. Thanks very much. See you next week.